latest episode in International Airport Review's podcast series. Today, I'm speaking to Rob Scodelaro, Head of Project Services at Brisbane Airport Corporation, who previously project managed the Northern Concourse expansion, the International Terminal, at Brisbane Airport. We discuss the various decisions that have to be made when constructing a new terminal, how to successfully make sure passenger experience is complemented by airport functionality, and the need for project planning. So Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you give us a brief introduction on your job role at Brisbane Airport Corporation? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Head of Project Services at Brisbane Airport. Within Project Services, we've got three primary functions, that being the drafting and survey team, the project management office team, and then the delivery portfolios to deliver the projects, both aeronautical and non-aeronautical across the airport. So when thinking about constructing a terminal from the very beginning, what do you think the three biggest considerations to keep in mind are? First and foremost, um, and it's probably obvious, is to identify what the primary driver of the project is and being very clear about what that is and ensuring that uh, you stick to that and don't get deviated by a lot of the noise that's around things. We do that by identifying benefits management. And so any decision we make on a project, we ensure it links back to the original benefits of the project. And if you can't link it to the benefit, well, then we really question the need for it. That helps us try and keep on track and deliver only what's required. The second for us is the customer experience. For us, we understand, particularly our international terminal, The terminal itself is only a small part of a passenger's journey. For a passenger, the journey starts from the moment they leave their home and finishes when they walk into a hotel on the other side of the world, which, you know, that can be a 24-hour journey. So the two hours they spend in our terminal is only a relatively small part of that. So we try and understand the whole journey and then what piece we play in that journey for when we're planning and constructing a terminal. And I suppose finally, it's really understanding and working closely with airline partners to understand their requirements, which are quite extensive. It's there's obvious things like aircraft impacts, their own passenger movements, as opposed to another airline partner's passenger movements, their staffing arrangements, whether they have airline lounges, how they handle their baggage, and the list goes on. You know, we need to remember one of the core functions of a terminal is to service our airline partners. So we, you know, we need to make sure that whatever we do helps them with their efficiencies, helps them with their experience that their passengers have on their aircraft and the like, as well as also remembering that um, it's not just our staff in the terminal, but it's their staff that also work in the terminal. So they're probably the three main things I would consider when uh, looking at terminals. Going back to your first consideration, the primary drivers, what do you often find the primary drivers to be? For a major terminal body of work, it's generally either comes from capacity demand or the other one, secondary one, is more from a renewable where um, infrastructure has reached its end of life. But for us at Brisbane Airport, still a relatively young airport from that sense. It's uh, predominantly around increasing capacity to meet the demands of our partners. Yeah, of course. So when managing the Northern Concourse expansion that you recently had at Brisbane, what was the biggest challenge you had to face during that project? For that one, and it's, you know, it's not uncommon for airports in Australia, um, a lot of the critical 
components were sourced from overseas. So trying to manage that supply chain were probably probably our biggest challenge. Um, you know, whether it be the glass for the terminal building was coming out of China or Arab bridges out of Spain, trying to ensure that those materials were manufactured to Australian standards and not European standards or, or other standards around the world, ensuring down to making sure that we had different parts coming on different supply routes to Australia to avoid industrial disputes on along the way, all while trying to do that for a managing contractor. So, you know, a lot of cases we weren't directly involved with the supply chain, but having to provide that influence down through the supply chain, that definitely had its challenges and, yeah, a lot of coordination, a lot of detailed coordination, a lot of risk planning with our partners to work through that to ensure that we got the right products, we got it on time, and the quality was what we required. There are obviously so many people involved. How do you manage the collaboration required between all of the stakeholders? We spent, I think, through every part of the project, but definitely once we got into the procurement and delivery side, we spent a lot of time and effort ensuring that our major suppliers and our major contractors understood what we were trying to achieve and understood what our concerns were. Likewise, we stopped and listened to what their issues were. We did that quite a lot at the start of the project to make sure we were aligned. We then had quite strong leadership on um, both sides of the fence and we maintained that throughout the life of the project to ensure that we were aligned even when there were disagreements we were fully aligned on actually what we were both trying to achieve on that so that went a long way to then just flowing that down through the supply chain. So then moving on to airport design for you at Brisbane is it the customer journey or is it the airport functionality that takes priority? At Brisbane Airport we try to focus on what what's known as customer stewardship rather than trying having to pick one between the other you know, and customer stewardships around where infrastructure developers like ourselves, you're encouraged to think beyond the physical boundary of what you're building and try and understand how that fits in with the broader customer requirements. As I mentioned before, for a passenger, their journey starts at home to get to the airport. They're either driving a car, they're going on public transport. So it's understanding, well, how do what we're building, does it actually tie in with you know, that public transport network. And if it doesn't, well, what can we do to help make that a better approach? And then if you follow that through the whole journey, the whole bit of the infrastructure, what I find is you're then not talking about the customer journey versus the airport functionality. At the end of the day, the airport functionality is there to support our customers, whether that be a someone flying on a plane, whether that be someone working in one of the restaurants, or whether that be one of our airline partners. If we can get that right, then it's not a case of choosing one or the other. If we're having to choose, then I'd probably argue we're probably not servicing our customers correctly. That's a really good way of looking at it. Considering the interior and the aesthetics of a terminal, how do you determine what design style to go for? For us, very much so that international terminal, but also the domestic. It's about letting the passengers know that they have arrived in Australia, but not just Australia, actually arrived in Queensland. So we very much focus on, in terms of theming, trying to reflect the Queensland lifestyle. So very bright, 
open, give a sense of an active lifestyle, a summary feel to things, whether that be through hard and soft landscaping. And trying to make it more than just a terminal, trying to make it a destination. So when you arrive at the terminal, you know you're in Queensland. It's not just a terminal building and you don't realise that you're in Australia until well after you've arrived. We want us to be the first thing that people remember about arriving into Australia. Yeah, the other challenge we have is we've progressively expanded our terminals to suit demand to build just in time. So obviously over the years, styles change. So our challenge is to try and blend a development that was done five, ten years ago into one that we're building now. But once again, I think you can get the right people and they understand what our end goal is and what we're trying to achieve. I think you get the right people. They can get that blending of old versus new and I think it works quite well at our international terminal. Going back to your point about making the aesthetic clear that the passenger has arrived in Australia, have you sought feedback from the passengers on that? Do you know if you've done that successfully? Yeah, look, there's a range of measures and surveys done in the airline industry and Brisbane's international terminal regularly features really highly and it's well recognised from an architectural point of view. It surveys really well from a passenger point of view in terms of ease of use and feel and low stress levels because of how we've designed it and and laid it out. Amazing. And now if we think about all of the technologies that are required within a terminal, obviously you have to plan ahead. To what extent do you do that? How do you ensure that your new areas are not going to be old in a few years' time? Yeah, this problem on every project is... Where are we going to be in the future and um, how do we not overcapitalise or how do we make sure we're not having redundant works? Look, for us, we do spend a lot of time on that, trying to understand what are the future trends and where security is going to go, where baggage is going to go, all those things that make an airport run. For us, as you know, simple examples, we may ensure that we've got some extra floor plate to cater for changes, whether it be in security requirements through to what we do in terms of our apron design for aircraft parking at the terminals. We design our aprons, a lot of other airports do the same. We make that as flexible as possible to deal with many different types of aircraft. So even though, you know, for a period of time, there might only be one or two type of aircraft using that that apron, we know that down the track, when a different type of aircraft comes on board, we will be able to cater for that without having to invest even more infrastructure changes. The example was when the A380 started, now the A380's popularity is dying off and being replaced by other aircraft types. We design our aprons so we build it once and hopefully not having to modify it. That's probably the most obvious example to everyone. And look, the other thing, at the end of the day, we're no different to hundreds of other airports around the world. So sometimes I think airports can try and think that they're the only ones trying to solve these problems. But um, quite often, if you reach out, see what else is happening around the world, there's a lot of smart ideas being done across various different airports. By reaching out, we can solve some of these future trend problems. Yeah, that's where the industry is working on trying to break down the traditional silos, isn't it? Yeah, uh, look, 100%, I think. You know, there is always an element of airports potentially competing for different markets. But, you know, on my side of the fence where we're trying to build stuff and design stuff, I don't see that having any competition with other airports. At the end of the day, my counterpart in in another airport, we're just trying to deliver the best we can 
for each of our businesses. But you're right, traditionally, knowledge sharing hasn't been great, but I think that's definitely changing. Definitely in my time at Brisbane Airport, that's improved quite a bit. We hear how it's improving almost every day, which is so nice to see. So to conclude, Rob, if you were going to start the Northern Concourse expansion at Brisbane all over again, what would you do differently with hindsight? Probably spend more time planning. I think a lot of people say that about every construction project. Look, our last expansion in global terms was uh, probably a relatively small project. For us, it was it was quite large. We spent 18 months, two years in the planning phase before we jumped into detailed design and construction. If I had my time again, I'd probably spend more time in that phase. Just given a lot of the things we've just spoken about, you can always do more planning. It's Once you start a project, it's very hard to change things on the run and you find you potentially get caught out trying to compromise. Instead of delivering a 100% solution, you end up with a 90% solution. So... Look, yeah, for me, probably would have just spent a little bit longer in that planning phase. But obviously, you're competing against the demand that's coming down the pipeline and trying to reach those dates. So I don't think uh, we're unique in that. I think that's any infrastructure project. It's getting that balance between the planning and meeting the demand that's uh, flowing down the pipe. In the future, the airport of the future, do you think the infrastructure will be significantly different to the infrastructure that you're talking about today? I'm going to say yes, but what that looks like, I have absolutely no idea. I say yes in that, you know, so many things in the world are different and do change with time. What that's going to mean for airports, yeah, I don't think we know. I think all we know is that it will change. So how do we, how does the industry keep changing with it and ensuring we change in time and lead that change rather than be driven to change by external means? I think that's probably the critical thing. Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Rob. No problems at all. Anytime. And that concludes this podcast episode. Rob gave us a great insight into the behind the scenes discussions and decisions that occur during a construction project. His final comments emphasise how exciting the future of airports could be. Different from today for sure, but how, we are not sure yet. Let me remind you that this podcast and all previous episodes are available on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Whilst you listen, double check you are subscribed to receive a free copy of our magazine and join us on our social media channels. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. I look forward to the next one.